Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And today we're going to talk about an article that Alex found uh, interesting. He's got a couple of points that he wanted to bring up. You know, there's so many articles out there around like retirement preparedness and that kind of stuff. And well, I think a lot of it, well, a lot of them talk about the same thing over and over again, in my opinion, but also a lot of them don't go into the details. They make it so high level and they make it sound like it's for everybody. Oh, yeah. I completely agree with you. And it, it's it's one of those things where like every time I read some of these articles, like there are so many nuances that go into like retirement planning. And yet at the same time, we also need to be able to have like some ideas and thoughts on like, okay, how do we figure out if we're on track and things of that nature? Yeah. And we encourage our clients, like when they see articles like this, bring up in the conversation so we can see how it pertains to them. Absolutely. I love the articles because it gets them thinking about money. Right. Or at least their own situation. Um, So before we dive into this, so Alex, I stopped by 20 Corners again and had to bring home another beverage. (laughs) Uh, it's their juicy pale ale, which I actually did not try there. I, I had some other uh, beverages while I was there. Um, it's uh, 5.5% alcohol. And so I'm going to give it a, a quick try here. And uh, I'll let you know what everybody, what I think here. It is a, uh, it's a solid juicy. I wouldn't say it's something I'm going to, it's drier than I expected. Actually, when you hear the word juicy, juicy you kind of expect it to be a little bit uh, uh, fruitier like forward maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's drier. Uh, if I'm going to give this a, a bottle cap rating, I'm probably giving it, I'm going to go with a six out of 10. So. I think I liked it a little bit more than you did. I'm giving it a seven. Um, okay. I, 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 I like this beer. It's a solid beer. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, Alex is wrong and I'm right. So <laughs> <laughs> all kidding aside, I think Alex and I tend to have right around the same rating, except for, uh, one particular style of beer, uh, which will remain nameless. If you've been listening to us, you already know that they're sours and they suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm, in a, I'm, in a, I'm in a mood, Alex. So you, you get to deal with it. I guess so as a listener. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's dive into this, this article you found. I think it was on Yahoo, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was on Yahoo finance. It was taught. It, it was actually a really well-written article. Um, and it was talking about the various different uh, generations. So talking about Gen Z and the millennials, Gen X, the boomers that haven't retired yet. And like it, it was really – it was too broad in terms of like trying to compare a generation in terms of like how the, how prepared the generation is for retirement. But that's a ton of articles out there, right? Like baby really boomers is. have an average of X amount in their retirement accounts. And then it goes to the next generation and the next generation. And the answer to me is always shockingly low. I, I get that we typically work with like, you know, the top 20, top 10, top 5% of folks out there in terms of the income levels and things of that nature. Um, but like, it's, it, it's just baffling to me when like a bunch of like, the boomers had the most amount of money saved. Um, and on average it was only like $150,000. Um, and they were expecting like an income of like $70,000 a year. And it was like just the, 
the juxtaposition of like, okay, you're at retirement or very, very close to it. And you, you only have like two years worth of income saved. Uh, just seemed like baffling to me. Um, the other one that like I, I, the, the article kind of like stuck on and then like a bunch of advisors chimed in and kind of picked it apart was Gen Z expecting to spend 40 years in retirement and only needing $1.2 million to be able to live the life that they wanted to live, uh, which was like roughly, you know, $100,000 a year. I think, and, let me, let me interrupt you because I am curious. The, the Gen Z retirement, um, is more of a version of retirement where they still have a job. They just don't have to work, right? Is that, did that article incorporate that? It that didn't, aspect, it didn't incorporate it, that at all. I wonder if they uh, meant it in there and they didn't state it. It's possible. And like, so, I mean, that's the thing is that like so much of this depends on like, okay, what does retirement mean to you? Like anybody can retire tomorrow. It's just dependent upon like whether you're willing to live in a box under the freeway or not. Um, or like what your definition of retirement looks like. Um, what are the things that you care about? So, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it was talking, like I, th- I liked the, the component where it was talking about how confident people were, why they were confident about it. Um, but then they started interviewing advisors and like some of the advisors were throwing out what seemed like crazy numbers of like upwards of $5 million that that Gen Zer would need to be able to live the, the same lifestyle on $120,000 uh, or sorry, a hundred, yeah, $120,000 uh, uh, a year. And like, it was just one of those things where like the juxtaposition of like, you know, them thinking 1.2 and an advisor thinking five uh, seemed just kind of out of whack. Uh, it also, like, the, one of the things that I liked was that it was talking about healthcare costs in retirement and how healthcare costs are a significant portion of your your expenditures later in life, or certainly can be anyway. Um, but it was it was just kind of really interesting to see like how the different advisors went about stuff. Um, and of course there was like little to no background on how anybody came up with any of their numbers, um, whether it was the people being interviewed from the different generations or whether it was the advisors. Um, and, and like in, in, you know, it, it wasn't a super long article. It wasn't a super short article, but what you started out with Ryan was the context and nobody gave any context to any of this stuff. And so you're talking about like the mythical, you know, family that has two and a half kids, a white picket fence, a dog and a cat. And it's just like, that doesn't exist, let alone like trying to like now like imprint uh, like generation concepts on top of it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, I've read these articles too, and they, they always skip they always skip major pieces, right? Like to get to retirement with, you know, you brought up $1.2 million. And you, if you needed $100,000 from that 1.2, um, and, it, and like if you need 100K from the 1.2, not including Social Security, right? That's going to be very difficult to do. Like the risk profile that that client's going to have is going to be quite high. And I don't think that that, like they never dive into what does that really feel like for a client that's taking that type of risk? Is it possible? Who knows? Like, 
depends on what the market is. Where is their money sitting? Right? How aggressive are they sitting? Like maybe they're sitting on five hundred thousand dollars sitting in cash. Like who knows what that actually looks like? And that that's the right. piece that they always skip. Or it could be that they're it's yeah, like one point two million dollars in real estate and that's kicking off, you know, uh ten thousand dollars a month using right. short term rentals. Like, okay, yeah, that might work. Um at the same time, like having all of your eggs in one basket rarely is a good idea, whether it's the stock market, the real estate market, the like any market insert market here does not not matter at all. Not all of your eggs should be in that basket. We need to have a diversified and balanced portfolio that includes stocks, bonds, cash, non-qualified or non-correlated assets, real estate. We need to have multiple different income streams. Um, and the, the more different income streams that we can have, the easier it's going to be to be recession-proof, downturn-proof, uh, risk-proof, like all of the various yeah, I mean, different it, components. It, it's coming down to, and this is what I think most people don't quite grasp, is it comes down to how much of the income that's coming in the door is like from a guarantee type of asset, like a social security type of income mm-hmm. versus, and how much of that is going towards their basic living expenses versus yes. the fun expenses, if you will, right? If 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 the majority of your expenses are covered from social security in that example, then the example makes a lot more sense. But I don't think most people look at it from that way, which is why they walk away with such maybe, a, uh, I don't want to use the word misguided or maybe, maybe a misunderstanding of what the article actually said. Yeah. Well, and it didn't just, doesn't talk at all about like, okay, is the person retiring in New York city or are they retiring in (laughs) the Midwest or the South or Alaska? Like where, where is this person living and what does their lifestyle look like? None of that is covered and it makes a huge difference. Um, You know, just like the, like some of the things that we talk about on a regular basis, the location of the money, like we've brought it up half a dozen times already. Uh, the location, the taxation of it, um, what the person's health looks like, what their family situation is. Cause you know, 10 K for, uh, you know, single person versus 10 K for a married couple different. The, the health needs for the single person versus the married couple different. Like there are a lot of factors that go into trying to like, unwind and understand these things. Um, I thought one of the things that we would do though, is at least provide a relatively easy back of the napkin type calculation to go ahead and get an idea as to, okay, for your particular situation, what do we need to do? And then how close are we? So one of the ways to go ahead and like, like arguably the least efficient way of distributing wealth in retirement is using the commonly accepted 4% rule. And a different way of doing this is just taking, uh, um, taking your savings amount and dividing it by 25 or taking your income goal and multiplying it by 25. So for example, if you want to have $100,000 of income a year, take that number and multiply it by 25, you need $2.5 million to safely create 
an inflation-protected portfolio that should last 30 years or more in retirement. Yeah, and there's and that's that's a great starting point. Like I love like your your terminology, the the back of the napkin type of math, right? Because I think most people, I know our listeners are not they're not really they're thinking about retirement oftentimes, right? They're not in retirement. So they're, they're thinking, okay, am I in pace for retirement? Like, am I even doing the right stuff? Am I saving the right amount of money? And so that's that's the greatest thing to do is is to take that income number and multiply it by 25, like you said, and say, okay, this is this is roughly what I should be on pace for at minimum, maybe might be the best way to put it. Right. Um, but at least you have a starting point. Now that might scare a lot of people as at the same time, because to your point, you want a hundred thousand dollars in retirement times 25, that's $2.5 million, right? We didn't take into account social security there, right? So if we take out social security, let's just say you're making 40 in social security, right? That means you only need 60. That does bring that number, you know, it doesn't cut it in half and it cuts by 40%, right? So sure. that, that changes that aspect. But the fact of the matter is, is it's a great starting point for you to look at what should you be doing and are you on pace for that retirement, whatever that looks like for you. Well, and then, you know, in terms of like the on pace aspect, if like, if you started working when you're 20, you're expecting to work until you're 60, uh, you're 40 years old, you're likely going to be less than halfway there. Yeah. But if you're halfway there, again, that's a good rule of thumb and it's a conservative rule of thumb because most of us wind up the the benefit of compounding interest happens all on the back end. We also tend to save a significantly larger chunk of money as we get closer and closer to retirement for a couple reasons. One, we're at the top of our earning potential. Two, we're at a point where we have we've reached our uh, max in income potential. We've reached, uh, we've, the kids may be out of school. We might be done with some of our fixed expenses, like paying a mortgage or our mortgage is a smaller percentage of, of our income, things of that nature. Um, and so those like two or three things combined really make it so that a good majority of the, the savings winds up occurring on the back end, like really in the last five to 10, maybe even 15 years before retirement. Yeah, and that's such an important piece to to figure out, as well as just I think when people are getting closer to retirement, they're wanting like in the back of their mind, really the only thing they truly care about most of the time is am I gonna outlive my money? Right? Am I gonna run out of money? Right. And that's where we have spoken into several times in terms of like how much of your market do you want coming from guaranteed type of assets versus not? How much is in the market versus out of the market? You might have heard us uh, you know, say it both ways. And, and that's part of the financial planning aspect, right? Alex said one of, the, one of the worst strategies in retirement is that 4% income type of distribution strategy. Um, th- that's just the high level, like real quick, back in the napkin math. You can get into it and you don't have to have the 25 times number to kick off hundred K as long as you've set yourself up to do so. Right. And the, like so much of the, what we talk about comes with caveats and, you know, ultimately like what we're trying to do is we're trying to give you a method for figuring out like, okay, Hey, what am I trying to target? 
And the other thing to think about is like, okay, if you're 40 and you're making a hundred grand right now, or you'd feel like it'd be comfortable to have a hundred grand a year. Well, that's a hundred grand in today's dollars. Yep. Like inflation has been a huge topic in the news the last like six months to two years. What is that hundred grand going to buy you at retirement? We need to make sure that we index it for inflation and we adjust it. Um, so it's it's a hundred grand in today's dollars. That's going to be different down the road. Yeah, just real quick, just to give you an idea. The hundred grand today, if you needed a hundred grand today, twenty years from now, that's one hundred eighty thousand. What inflation factor did you use? Three sorry, or four? Three percent. Three percent inflation, which. That's it. Again, we don't know what inflation is going to be, right? So, that, you know, everybody's always used a 3%, at least in the last couple of decades, the 3% has been the number to use. So that's what that represents. And that's what Alex was talking about is that's just the number today. Right. <laughs> so we're talking so, about all these different. So Alex and I are kind of going round and round with this. The, the point of the matter is, is that's a variable that wasn't included in, in the article because they never do. Well, as one of our mentors and somebody that we're very fond of quoting, uh, you know, tells us repeatedly is the last time he tried to calculate how many variables go into a retirement plan. He stopped counting at 54. Yeah. That doesn't mean that there's only 54. It means that that's where he stopped counting. And so when you're dealing with that number of variables, anything like this 25 times rule or whatever, like, it is a rule of thumb. It is not an answer. Like what our professional recommendation is, is sit down with somebody, whether it's us or somebody else kind of doesn't matter. I mean, we'd prefer it to be us, but yeah, sit down with a professional and have them run numbers for you. Have a conversation around like, where are you at? Where do you want to be? What is it that you want this stuff to look like? So you can get a better sense of whether you're on track or not. Yeah, it. That's the key. It, it, the first key is thinking about it, not burying your head in the sand. And then the second key is starting to actually work with someone that you know and trust that does this, right? That helps people retire because they can bring in levels of experience that that you don't have. Like you know, I, I'll never forget. I had a client say, "Ryan, you're you're 43 years old. How can you help me with retirement?" And I'm like, "Well, my team and I have retired like." 30 people. So we've retired 30 times. How many times have you retired? <laughs> right. And the person just kind of sat back and said, Oh, I never thought about it that way. Right. So um, that's a big, big difference in terms of talking to someone that has that type of experience to bring it in. So maybe you are talking to someone that's retired. That's a great starting point. Right. So, which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is how is it that you're checking to see if you're on track for your own situation? So head over to beerandmoney.net and I'd actually love to get some responses on this because I bet you there's some websites out there that you and I have never heard of, Alex, that people are going to to check this. Um, so head to beerandmoney.net at the top of the pages that contact us, um, put in the subject line the the good old question of the day and give us where you're going. Where are you going to check? how prepared you are or how on track you are for your personal goals. We hope this episode was valuable for you and Mr. Collins. Cheers. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives at the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 1531942, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924, Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699, CA Insurance License Number 0H24806.